Up of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. Strange case. No sign of violence, yet she looks completely contorted in fear. Almost as if she'd been frightened to death. As if she'd seen something too horrible to live through. You're listening to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of genre cinema. Hi, my name is Chris, and along with Jeff, we talk about movies that aren't really awful at all. Horror, action, kung fu, musicals, post-apocalyptic, women in prison films, and much, much more. This is a special edition of the Really Awful Movies podcast. The original Friday the 13th versus 2009's Friday the 13th. If I'm ever out fishing or camping and hear those strains, forget calling the park ranger. Notify the SWAT team or the National Guard as Crystal Lake's most infamous son is in the vicinity. But it's mom who gets top billing over her netminder butcher of an offspring in the first Friday the 13th movie. In 1950s rural New Jersey, at fictional Camp Crystal Lake, two camp counselors bail while hearing that execrable fireside staple for guitar beginners, Michael Rowe, the boat ashore, hallelujah. That would have me beating a hasty retreat as well, even if I wasn't in the company of a beautiful woman. The amorous duo is set upon by an unseen POV killer. Ironically, in that since no horror film has become more associated with its very, very seen antagonist. Fast forward a few decades and creepy locals like the town crazy Ralph now call the place Camp Blood and say it's cursed. But that doesn't stop an intrepid group of camp counselors from going there, of course and they have a penchant for jean shorts and frolicking about, and counselor Ned does Humphrey Bogart impressions. You know, you're beautiful when you're angry, sweetheart. Now, Casablanca this is not, and we can't see how impressions of Bogey would impress the fairer sex in any recent decade. Anyway, for better or for worse, Friday the 13th contains every single staple of what we've come to associate with 80s slasher movies. Hitchhikers, 
a local legend, un-PC language and sentiments. I told you to sit on it, Tonto. Crazy townies, bikini babes, animal scares, the wilderness, vehicles that don't start, high body counts, and nudity. Friday the 13th throws a wrench into the proceedings by having a doting mother murderer rather than a woebegone mommy obsessive a la maniac. Her beef is with indifferent camp counselors whose duty dereliction results in her sweet innocent Jason, her only child, drowning in the placid waters of Camp Crystal Lake. The series didn't really get rolling until part two, but one thing horror directors can learn from it, silence is golden. The soundtrack is among the most memorable in horror history, and yet it's not overused. Composer Harry Manfredini puts it this way, Sometimes, the fact that there's no music can be stronger than when there is. Two more things about this movie. Watch when something is about to happen. The music will always cut out just before something happens. When the music stops, that's when something's about to happen, because you want to get the audience to relax. In addition to the terrific music, there are some great kills. Annie, played by Robbie Morgan Wahlberg, gets an axe between the eyes, and as a bonus, there's a young Kevin Bacon who gets an arrow through the neck, courtesy of special effects maverick Tom Savini. A game of strip monopoly unfortunately never gets off the ground. Instead of paying rent, you pay clothes, and there's even a nod to Catherine Hepburn to go along with Humphrey Bogart. Friday the 13th, 2009. You gotta hand it to Marcus Nispel. The director managed to make two horrible reboots of beloved horror franchises. First, the grungy, awful Texas Chainsaw Massacre reimagining, if you'll permit the phrase for something that involved so little in the way of imagination. And then, a few years later, the reboot of Friday the 13th. While the source material here doesn't soar as high as Toby Hooper's 1974 inestimable One for the Ages classic, Nispel manages to sink Friday lower, which is an achievement of sorts. There are several things which made the original Friday the 13th great, none of which are present in 2009's version. Number one, the Camp Crystal Lake mystique. It's at once everywhere and nowhere. It's an important place, which might not even be a place. A killer lurking in the woods gave Mr. Jason Voorhees a terrific, around the campfire, no fixed address, urban legend appeal, yet in a rural milieu. Here, Jason gets more than just a makeshift shack, he gets a permanent lair. The Sawyer family had a Texas compound in Chainsaw, but Jason just roamed. That's the Jason way. Two, the lack of fixed reference points. It'd be a stretch to call Victor Miller Sean Cunningham's creation timeless, but what immediately dates any film is an over-reliance on de jour references, whether it's tech, GPS, GPS, or pop culture cringe. What? Because I'm black? I can't listen to Green Day? Also, the product placement added a particularly unsavory element in 2009. Jesus, Pap's Blue Ribbon. Number three, the fun kills. The original series gave us a solid helping of Gallo's humor in the form of Jason's unique kills, a few of which we reference in our book, Death by Umbrella, The Hundred Weirdest Horror Movie Weapons. He may be a serial killer, but at least he didn't 
kidnap and torture his vics. And finally, number four, a loss of innocence. Jason's victims may be hormone-driven campers, but for all their nudity, fornicating, and partying, they're relatable young adults, not vulgar exhibitionists wakeboarding topless and flashing their friends while they're engaged in conversation. In 2009's Friday the 13th, the movie essentially strips bare everything associated with the series and then adopts some of the worst excesses of the Saw franchise. A bear trap? Really? This is established right off the bat with a truly ugly opening that's probably the longest cold opening in horror history where we get a poorly shot black and white demise of Pamela Voorhees and then a brutal dispatching of a bunch of campers one of whom is burned to death in a sleeping bag, establishing a sadistic element of Voorhees reprised later. Thereafter, a bunch of central casting interchangeables and a brother, played by Jared Padalecki, sticking out like a sore thumb for having at least some acting chops, descend on Camp Crystal Lake. And they happen upon a cabin in the woods where there's flies, rotting meat, and uh, wait, is this Friday or Texas Chainsaw Massacre? For more, Check out our podcast, the Really Awful Movies Podcast, with new episodes uploaded every Friday for your listening pleasure, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank mm-hmm. you.